0: everyone, welcome to The Smile Project, a podcast from School of Dentistry, I'm Mew. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is all about holistic dental education on the go. This would enhance your knowledge and attitude not only towards dentistry but life as a whole. Tune in to hear and learn from specialists from various fields of dentistry, sharing their experience and discussing topics in the realm of dentistry. Also, we have in store a small dose of Inspire and Influence, a section for good quotes and productivity tips. So, let's begin!
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Smile Project.
2: Joining us today is a very familiar face to all of us IMU Dental students, and that's of course, Professor Munir. While his official role in the School of Dentistry is as the Associate Professor for Academic Affairs, most of us know him simply as the friendly Prof who never fails to brighten our day.
1: He is here with us today to share his story, a long time coming, being in the industry. But before that, of course, let us welcome him to the podcast.
3: Hi, thank you for having me and uh, I'm sure this uh, podcast uh, we started some time ago uh, and it will be a very good learning experience to, for all of us. So we all learn uh, together in this journey.
2: Absolutely Prof, Um, on that note, even though we see you quite frequently throughout the school and everything but not a lot of us know your background, your history and how you came to be in IMU and stuff so could you perhaps give us a short introduction about yourself perhaps sharing on how you became the
3: person you are today Okay, so actually my journey is quite uh, interesting Uh, My father uh, is a professor of dentistry so based on that, uh, definitely father always wanted the son or daughter to be the dentist. So I came into dentistry. I always wanted to become a plant genetics engineer, but somehow I was even uh, got admission in agriculture university for some time. But then I saw the, not the pressure, but uh, the challenge that, uh, yes, I can. Uh, and dentistry was also fascinating for me. So I joined dentistry. Then. Uh, Uh, When I graduated in uh, 1997, I got admission in University of Malaya for post-graduation in conservative dentistry. So I came to Malaysia in 1998. So I was two years in Malaysia. After this I went back, I served my own country and in 2008 I came back to Malaysia as a dental public health person. So the whole story is how did I get into dental public health, so dental public health was because I did two masters, uh, other than that one is uh, health planning and management, the other was public health master. Uh, so that's how I came into public health because I thought uh, there will be a lot of clinician, but very few public health and that is something really important. And in fact, COVID also reinforced the same thing. Public health is very important. Absolutely.
1: So you yeah, have been through quite a lot from where you are from and where you are now. Um, What were some of the challenges you faced along the way?
3: um, I have uh, some challenges. Uh, One of the biggest challenges is my father was there as a teacher and he's a very strict and disciplined person. So at home he was the father and at the campus he was sir. And that was very clear to me. Uh, The biggest challenge other than that was the expectation from me from everyone because since childhood everybody knew me uh, as munir uh, who was 2 year old and 3 year old and the same people became my teachers uh, so they had a lot of expectations sometime i thought that it is not very realistic because they will always compare me to my father in one way other way that he is like this but he had that time about 30 years of teaching experience i even was not even nowhere near him and still nowhere near him So that was a challenge which uh, always was there uh, and which I think at times pushed me a lot, uh, gave me a lot of stress, but then my father uh, always uh, would help me out in this, that you try your best and don't worry about uh, these things. But then definitely expectations are there and the the, the challenge for me is, uh, I was just told that when I graduate, I should be better than him. That's not easy uh, when you tell somebody tells you this. So I think, uh, other than that, uh, the small and big challenges came uh, on the way. And I have never looked back and I just learned from all these. So I definitely uh, made mistakes, learned so many new things. But one of the biggest was the expectation for me to perform like my father was one of the uh, the challenge, I still sometimes, uh, like, he worked and uh, he uh, was, I think, he totally retired from dentistry at the age of 75. Wow. So it was quite a long journey and I definitely I can't match his experience, uh, his wisdom, the way he worked. Uh, so, yeah, people compare me with that.
2: So despite, um, I guess you acknowledge like you can't match his wisdom or his experience, for example, you mentioned, But do you still feel that expectation of you to be at a certain level? Or have you kind of relieved that expectation of yourself?
3: Uh, Actually, uh, I have relieved myself because I just try myself to be a better person every day than yesterday. So if expectation, so uh, like uh, the journey my father went through, like the same spot he would be here like 30 years ago. And now times have changed, the challenges have changed. He would have never uh, experienced the pandemic. <laughs> I have experienced something new. So sometimes when I share uh, things with him, uh, he give me a perspective. Uh, he, uh, his perspective is always uh, a bit different uh, because um, it's just the same thing that, uh, are you part of the problem or solution? If you decide on which part you are, then It's very easy. So he always uh, tell me about these things. So uh, in one way or other way, I think uh, I just try my best to improve myself every day and learn from mistakes and try to be as much as helpful I can be. That is what I try to do because uh, his experience I can't match. It's almost 50 years of dental experience. Uh, Like he himself say that uh, because he's very good in extractions when he do oral surgery. So I asked him, how do you do it? I take so long time. He said, now my fingers are so trained when I uh, hold a forceps, my fingers automatically, muscle memory start doing it. I don't know how it happened, but it happens. For to reach that level, it takes a lot of experience. I see.
1: I'm sure for many of us, we uh, face expectations, not from other people, not only other people, but ourselves. Like, how do you manage expectations from other people, like the overwhelming expectations from other people around you, and also yourself?
3: Okay, for that, uh, uh, what I try to do is uh, I reflect. I try to reflect. I think in my class, I always mention that in a day, 20% of time is yours. You can do nothing, or you can reflect, or you can improve something, you can learn some new skill. So what I do is, every day when I go home, I have some time, I sit in the balcony, I think of the day. Uh, and definitely uh, when you are in career growing up, you people have expectations from you. Some you know, some you don't know. Uh, so it is always uh, best that you communicate with people. So you know that, okay, they are expecting this from me, uh, that how it should be delivered. So you can uh, fit to their expectation. If you don't know, you, you don't communicate, that is the problem. Because uh, when uh, Mr. A or Miss A com- uh, think something from me that, okay, uh, Prof. Huni will deliver this and I am not able to, that is something that creates a problem. So for expectation, as I said earlier, I try my best to be a better person than yesterday. That is the only thing I am doing. Because uh, in the last two years, I have learned one thing. Every day was a challenge. Every day we will come to uh, online on campus for a meeting. Something new have happened. New SOP have come. So uh, it was the my learning was in a fluid situation. We used to uh, make concrete decision. So it's not easy. It, all you need is you need to be very agile and flexible with what you do. If uh, we are very focused, know that my way is the right way. It may not work. Because everybody is contributing and we have to, like, uh, when I make decision, I talk to many people I, and then make a decision which I think is right for that moment because what we did, uh, for example, in last one year what we did, if we do it again in one year time, it will be like a blunder, a big mistake because everything has changed. So that's uh, uh, the best is that expectation. Yes, you just know that people are expecting this from me or from my position. And then you try to match those. If not possible, there are some expectations which are beyond you. You just I like I won't bother. If I can't change it a lot, I won't bother. I'll try my best, but will not just go into depression that, oh, I, uh, I will just tell them that, OK, my limitation are until this, after this, I'm not able to deliver this thing and that's clear. So they can, at least they are clear that, okay, uh, like there are 100 step. Munir will reach to 60. After 60, they have to do something about it. If I don't tell them, that's a bad thing about me uh, because then they can, uh, then the system will stop because we all function together. Everyone has a role. Yeah, I see. So you
2: mentioned basically to tie all back in order to to realise what you're capable of doing And your limits That will require you to do a lot of introspection A lot of reflection On what yes. you yourself are able to do And also a lot of communication With the people you're working with yes. to set those expectations very
3: clearly Yeah
1: Alright Yeah and also like uh, Self-acceptance Of yes. your own limitations
3: That's very important
2: I'm going to take it a step back. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take it back to when you were talking about your education and how you moved to Malaysia from Pakistan, I believe. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm just curious, why did you overall choose to come to Malaysia and live here permanently?
3: Okay. That's also a kind of interesting story. So uh, again, uh, I think in my whole story, my father is just like one anchor which (laughs) I will revolve around. So, my father uh, is definitely clinician also, so he has a private practice. So, he has few uh, associate dentists in his clinic. So, when I graduated, um, in, my, in Malaysia it's compulsory service, uh, we have the house job, uh, we call it a residency. So, I used to go to my father's clinic in the evenings. <clears throat> so, when I went there, so one of the doctors there, he was holding some form which was a language I could not understand. It was some malaysia forms. So he told me that uh, I have, I'm have, i trying to get admission in University of Malaya, uh, but the forms are in uh, Malay. I don't know how to fill. So do you know somebody? So I told him that uh, in this building, I have seen uh, office on this. They have uh, written Malaysia and the Malaysian flag. Just let's go there and ask them. So I went there so that uh, person was my father's patient so he was so happy that we were in his office then I told him do you know how to translate Malay into English oh he said I have uh, 20 years experience there he worked here so he knew so in that uh, he we took a xerox a photocopy and he, every line he put it in English for us uh, with pencil We came back and when my friend was um, filling the form he said oh, you are sitting, doing nothing, just fill the form also. So I said, okay, I'll fill the form. Then we filled the form. Uh, We submitted the form and honestly, we forgot about it. Then one day, uh, after a few months, then he said, we have not received anything. So we, uh, that time was fax, not email. So we faxed here and then they said that in 10 days you will receive a letter. So that's how, uh, like, uh, you know, I was trying to help somebody and helping somebody uh, help me arrive here. So uh, in fact, uh, when I came to UM, that time they started that master's program. So I was the first postgraduate to register. I still remember my number. It was 98-0001, So I still remember that even a few days back in UM, they asked me and I remembered my number because it's so easy and I was the first person. So from there, uh, two years I was here, that time our former dean, Prof Toh Gate, she was the head of department, and the current dean was a lecturer. So I know them from all that time. So two years uh, I did my master's, uh, then went back, uh, but I really liked the way uh, the, the progressive work in dentistry, the research and all these things, I was quite impressed. And I always uh, wanted to come back. Then when I went back, I got married. Uh, my wife is a, an educationist, a special need education. So she was running school, uh, which was for uh, inclusive, uh, a new idea again. So because of that, uh, and then in 2007, there were some security reasons in our region. So uh, one of my friend who was from UM previously, Uh, he was visiting me so he said you just uh, send your cv and you try your luck so i sent my cv here and then i got a job and then in 2008 i arrived here you mentioned
2: your job is here in imu (coughs) yeah i see so this is basically where you've been since 2008
3: yeah i see so 8th june 2008 i joined imu wow you even remember the date yeah (laughs) it's
1: a it has been such a long journey yes 14
3: years almost
1: wow Like, um, I'm sure it has been, you know, quite a cultural experience too, moving from Pakistan to Malaysia. How was it like adapting to the culture here?
3: Okay, I think uh, not uh, many things were difficult for me. The only thing that I found, uh, uh, because I'm a pathan by race, so we are more like, uh, you know, meat eaters and all these things. And when I joined here in UM, In fact, uh, that time was the culture of the rice was like everywhere. For me, I never liked rice. In Malaysia. No, in Pakistan. Okay. And my mother will never cook uh, until like two weeks once uh, in two weeks, and then she will ask me, "Okay, I'm making rice. What do you want?" (laughs) So she'll because somehow I never uh, was so uh, towards rice. And then uh, when I came here, that was the biggest cultural thing for me and. Everywhere was rice and then I called my mother what to do, she said now it's up to you. Uh, So then uh, in UM there are so many canteens which wherever canteen I'll go they said no roti chanai. In fact that time I even did not know roti chanai and these things. So I had started eating rice but I did not like it. So first uh, two months I've lost 30 pounds just because I was not eating. Then my friend who a doctor in uh, UM, they told me that, no, it won't work that way. You have to come out of your comfort zone. That was my first uh, lesson. And uh, from that, uh, that was one thing. Uh, language was normally not an issue for me because in UM, most of the people were there talking English. So that was uh, not a big problem. But uh, related to food, that was one of the biggest thing for me, uh, and then I started. Uh, uh, I moved toward rice, uh, and now like it's almost daily. At least lunch is rice. <laughs> you can't ex- escape it. So that is, uh, and other I don't think so because uh, as a Muslim, I have no issues here. Sorao is everywhere, and all these. So uh, I think that was very comfortable and. Malaysia is uh, honestly uh, like it's rightly called second home because you get food. Now I know every that time I did not know whatever food you want, every type is here. Wherever you go, you are accepted. It's quite a nice way of uh, like you don't have these issue until unless I create an issue uh, with somebody. There is no uh, nobody is creating an issue with me, and it's just like a smooth sail. That's why a lot of people want to
2: come here. So overall, it wasn't just, it wasn't really the culture or especially the language. It was overall the food for you. Yeah. But ultimately, you managed to adopt the Malaysian ways. Yeah, because uh,
3: uh, <laughs> you know you have to always. Uh, there is a time you have to go out of your comfort zone. So uh, like, uh, uh, naan and roti was my comfort zone. So ultimately, have to move out. Other than that, I don't think so because. Whatever you uh, want, think, uh, you can go holidaying, all these things and it's quite easy. Do you have a favourite Malaysian
2: dish um, that you feel? Like oh,
3: the, my favourite was uh, like uh, nasi pataya for some time. Okay, nasi pataya <laughs> is like the fried rice, then you yes, put an egg yes, over it with yes. the tomato sauce. I see, okay. okay. So, it, uh, because uh, when I used to uh, live in Section 16 PJ, so that there was a, a small um, canteen so that lady used to make amazing so uh, just imagine uh, when i start uh, eating rice it was because of that and straight two months i think lunch and dinner both same thing so she one told me that we also make other things also
2: <laughs> <laughs> nasi for two months straight yeah. wow that's amazing um okay moving on now i guess from the cultural aspect of things uh, but you mentioned previously on how Malaysia's dental, the approach <coughs> to dentistry is more research oriented and they're quite, uh, I want to say experiential, but they're willing to try new things. Yes. So aside from that, or maybe you want to elaborate more, how is the practice of dentistry different in Malaysia compared to Pakistan?
3: Okay, uh, I'll just start from the academic. Our academics are more uh, too much clinically oriented because uh, the sheer volume of patient is so much that uh, it's very difficult. You have to be very focused for research. Otherwise it's not possible. Like I saw my um, professors, they they tried, but it did not work like the hospital from where I, uh, uh, got my training uh, the daily number of patients was between 1000 to 1400 oh, daily
2: sorry this is in pakistan
3: pakistan Yay. so uh, like 1000 to 1400 daily patient these are opd everyday patient so then you have some appointment patient even the orthodontic department have almost uh, i'm talking about 93 94 at that time they have two years of waiting period so the number because that time the specialists were very few and the number uh, of patients plus uh, that time the afghan conflict started uh, those days not started but sometime so the refugees and the refugees are coming to main hospital for treatment so that's how <clears throat> the culture changed from research to very clinically oriented because they don't have time like whole day if you are on a campus you are treating patient 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 then your focus is there. So uh, one of the main thing I, uh, which uh, was that we were uh, very, very clinically oriented. Most of the time it's clinics. And then so when they moved from one generation to another generation, they saw it that they have to be very good clinician because they saw their teachers like role models that they were very good clinician. So that's how the research component become shrinking, shrinking, and they have literally no time. Now the culture has revised and that is one thing uh, which I think uh, was quite uh, uh, big. When I came to Malaysia, uh, they have uh, definitely the patient volume in that time was not very high and the number of personnel, they have so many staff and faculty, so they uh, never had that issue. So they uh, every faculty have their research time, clinical time. But in my place in Pakistan, that time was not possible. Because it was not possible to even uh, finish the number of cases per day. Oh. I see.
1: <laughs> so, um, you know, this would this reflects the cultural difference in a workplace setting yeah. in Pakistan and Malaysia. But what sort of advice would you give to us, especially those who want to go to PDS? Um, uh, what would you advise us? those who want to, you know, study or work overseas in the future.
3: Okay, I think for one uh, most important thing, uh, wherever you go, you have to have an open mind. Uh, We all have our uh, cultural baggage with us. Uh, I know when your first or two or first few batches, your senior used to go, they used to miss, like, I used to miss my food. And things like this, they will contact me on Facebook that they miss something. Uh, and even I know a student they contacted me that because of this cultural reason uh, they even wanted to come back but then we that's not the solution Uh, the solution is uh, we always have to adopt Uh, we have to be agile we need to know which is our comfort zone so my uh, advice always was that be open when you go there uh, life is not a straight line It is ups and downs in life, that will happen. If somebody thinks my life will be a straight line, it's next to impossible, nobody has a straight line. It has to go up and down, and then you have to, in good days, you have to do different things, in bad days, you have to carry yourself. As long as you don't stop, you are focused that you need that degree, you will get it. If you lose your focus, then it's a very big problem because then you start thinking about uh, things which are more related to your comfort zone and then you can't make a decision. The other very important thing is uh, the BDS time is five or five and a half years. So marks is there, you are all very talented, there is no doubt about it, all hard working. The only thing is make sure you make memories of this five year because this time is not going to come back or there's no sum. Uh, you need to uh, uh, have a mentor who can guide you in current uh, practices in life wherever you are you need to have a mentor who can guide you because uh, there may be blind spots for you you don't see that mentor with life experience can tell you these things so uh, and then make a mark wherever you are uh, uh, get involved in the local community So that's how you get accepted there very quickly, because uh, you know in uh, even in a friend circle if somebody is new, so it takes a very long time uh, to get used to that friend, their mood swings or all these things. But if that person comes and like we are all sitting here now and uh, we need some help and that person is proactive, is helping you, so you will accept that person very fast. So that's how uh, you need to have memories, you need to have a mentor and you need to make your mark.
1: You talked about having a mentor, so um, is there a particular someone who really inspired you and kept you going when things
2: get tough? I believe a a recurrent person in your story so far has definitely been your father.
3: Yes, my father definitely, but he's just like uh, more than a mentor for me because uh, he has a conflict of interest also in one way because he definitely, uh, uh, at times he won't see uh, things. So my mentor you can, uh, was one of my surgery professors who later become the dean and he just recently retired. Uh, he was a person who was uh, very tenacious. Whatever happened, he was focused. I learned from him that uh, when you join dentistry, in next five years where you want to see yourself what big difference like there are so many dentists why you that question always keep uh, like coming back to me that there are so many uh, faculty members so why me so i have to uh, have uh, some impact somewhere so that's why you need a, a mentor who who has uh, who can see the overall picture because <clears throat> Uh, when you are uh, making a decision, so I'll just give you an example. In your career, for example, you are on step 3 and your mentor is already on step 30. What your mentor see is a bit further than you. The mentor can see the bigger picture. In the place you are standing, you can see, it's a, like your field of vision is that time because you don't have experience, knowledge is very narrow. So, uh, and sometimes uh, the stress of learning and all these things can hamper your decision-making. But that person, your mentor, can help you that, okay, I can see that in next year you have something better coming or you can do something different. So that's why mentors are nowadays very important. Mentors and your uh, network, uh, your friends, because uh, like your uh, network is your network who do you know and the right people when even you are not in the room they will protect your interest right. that's quite important all like the, for your career roles
2: mm-hmm. so overall having a mentor who can provide a different perspective um, from where they are standing is also very important and also networking
3: yes with friends.
2: definitely i see mm.
1: And Tom must have imparted a lot of important values and lessons to you so um, in order to continue his legacy is there anything that you think um, you, you have learned from him and you want to impart it to like the future generations like what is the most important value that uh, you need to succeed in that industry?
3: Okay, one of the important thing, I think anywhere uh, in the life, there are so many things, like if we talk about values, I've learned so many things. But I find uh, one of the most important thing is integrity uh, and honesty. These are the things like uh, when people know that, for example, they have given you some task, you will honestly do it, you will deliver. You have integrity that you will keep uh, doing your best. So these are the things that, uh, like for career wise, there are so many other, but for career wise, honesty and integrity, if you have, you will always be in good books. And uh, the other thing which I've learned is, which I've learned in uh, IMU from uh, our uh, former uh, president, uh, Tansri, so uh, that if I trust you, I'll give you work. So I always remember this, they say that, if your work is not good, so this means the trust is not there, so you will not get work. If you don't get work, this means your careers have stopped. Because we all grow when we work, we learn new things, uh, and uh, by the way, with this one of the important other lesson was mistakes, uh, I have made a lot of mistakes. Uh, and learn from it Uh, and uh, that's how I think honesty and integrity works in it, that you have done something you just say that yes it has happened uh, and I can fix it. If you can't fix it, you just let them know that something can be done. And uh, these are few things like Tan Sri Abu Bakr, I've learned from him empathy, Uh, I have, uh, because uh, as a student the stress you have I need to understand what are these things rather than uh, I just keep on thinking like okay I am the faculty and I don't understand I need to understand for example uh, preparing for a patient when I prepare it may be because uh, I have experience I will do it differently but when you prepare you have different kinds of stress so that's a thing like honesty integrity empathy these are the things that will keep on Uh, helping you to make progress and uh, make friends network and for the doctor I think trust and empathy are very very important that your patient needs to trust you that's why I always say that even if your patient is your cousin uh, even your sibling uh, your best friend uh, you treat them very professionally don't joke with them oh your tooth or your smile look like this or this you just When they are on the dental chair, they are the patient and you are the dentist. Always remember this. So they will trust you more and that is something very valuable.
2: In some sense, would you say that these values about, you mentioned integrity, owning up to mistakes, honesty, are these values more important than simply being a good clinician, that you have good hand skills, you can diagnose a patient definitely
3: very because uh, you can be an extraordinarily good clinician but if there is issues with integrity honesty even trust uh, you uh, the patient will not come to you you need because we are a dentist because of the patient I'm a faculty I'm a teacher because of the student so exactly the same if you are extremely good and you are one of the best clinician like I, I'm talking about the skills part. But then I don't know how to communicate with my patient and these things. So the patient is not going to come, so it is of no use if I become the world best with my skill and I don't have, uh, because I need to apply dentistry, something you have learned and then you apply there in the clinic. If you are not able to apply, then what's the point of doing it?
1: So you talk about making mistakes, being in an integral part of improving yourself. Yes. And you know, sometimes when you make mistakes, people might lose a little bit of trust in us. How do we regain that trust?
3: Okay, for that, uh, if a patient and dentist relationship, I can uh, say that uh, when you plan a treatment plan, you can tell them uh, which normally problem happens, uh, like for example, there's a deep caries management and you don't tell the patient and ultimately what happens you start drilling and you straight go into the pulp and the patient then that root canal, sorry that restoration become a root canal and the patient gets upset, that's the trust issue. So if you explain the patient that okay in case this your tooth condition is like this and this may happen, I will try my best but this may happen and you have option, you can take second opinion also. So that's how they, they know that uh, you know your limitation they are not like uh, whatever you do uh, can uh, land them into uh, and what patient need is uh, there is no pain and you can solve their problem rather than increase their problem so that's why uh, this is one of the areas uh, and in other uh, in normal life if somebody gives me task i will just first evaluate it what are the things, what are the things I can do, what I can't do, where I need help. So these thing, the three things are clear. So you just tell them that my limitation is this, uh, I need help in this. And this part, uh, uh, we can delegate it to somebody, we can give it to somebody or they can ask somebody else.
1: Right. So, you know, um, to be, uh, you know, to go a long way and we sometimes stumble and fall and all that. So. What would you want us to bear in mind as we work towards our dreams as a dentist?
3: Okay, one is, uh, I always uh, consider that we need to have an end plan, end game, that how this thing, like every five years, the books you read, the uh, places you go, the people you meet, they all change. So you need to know that in five years, like now you are in BDS, so in this much amount of time, years, you will graduate. So what are your plans then? So some of these plans, I almost always uh, tell my students that you write it down. These are your roadmap of your career. <laughs> like for example, in five years, you have graduated. Next, where you want to go? You want to do specialization or you want to few years, you want to be in private practice. And then, or you want to be in government service and then you move somewhere because you want to hone your skills and uh, or improve your confidence, so different uh, targets, because you are the only person you honestly know yourself. Nobody knows. Even your parents don't know. You know your uh, inner strengths and weaknesses. Weak areas are our blind spot and normally we miss them because we are very afraid that uh, uh, nothing will go wrong with us. As I said earlier life is not a straight line things will go wrong so we need to work on these things if there is uh, one area which scares you the most you work on that otherwise one day you will be in a situation that it you will not be able to help yourself then so it's better that if you are weak in something you work on that and um, uh, it is okay as long as you are making some progress it is okay But it should be some progress rather than you totally put it in a blind spot and think, no, no, it will not happen. It's just exactly the same thing that uh, uh, people think that, oh, I'm such a uh, pious and nice person and disaster will never happen with me. You may be an excellent driver, but somebody will come and bang your car. Then what will you do? That's the problem. We have to be in one way or other way. We have to be prepared that I may be uh, or you may be good, but somebody else, can do things and the chain of event will reach you. So that's how, uh, like your preparedness is very important and acceptance that yes, this thing has happened. Now let's move on. If we uh, uh, just think of that moment and we get stuck with that moment, we will be like literally anchored to that issue. We, we need to move. It's just like uh, like failure and mist uh, is part of the process. It's not separate than it, that it should stop us.
2: So, having a roadmap, um, willing to work on our blind spots, preparedness, and willing to move on from your mistakes. Yes. Thank you very much, Prof. Most welcome. Thank you for joining us today. And I guess throughout this whole interview, you've really just shared with us your tale of how you became who you are today. And with your advice that you've scattered throughout this whole interview, this is all something all of us aspiring dental students can definitely utilize to hopefully achieve our dreams in the future.
1: Yes, I agree with you, Aidan. It was a very inspiring time talking to you. And to our listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope Dr. Munir's story has inspired you as much as it has inspired both Aidan and I. Do not forget to follow us on Spotify, Instagram and Facebook too, to stay updated with our bi-weekly episodes.
2: See you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Smile Project. We hope you enjoyed. If you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your family and friends and leave a rating or review. Thank you once again, I'll see you next time.